Uh, I think that most of you probably know me by now, um, but if you're new here, my name is Matt. Uh, I usually lead worship here at TNL, um, but tonight I am giving the talk. We are in the middle of a series going through the parables of Jesus, and we've heard from some other um, great guest speakers this month, and I am very honored, I'm very privileged to join their voices tonight. I am, however, um, certainly not of their caliber, so I'm going to try and keep this fairly brief tonight. Um, so tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, which I think is one of the most, if, if not the most, well-known story from the Bible. A few other stories have had such pop culture recognizability as the parable of the Good Samaritan. Nonprofits have been named after the story. Uh, local heroes in the news are, are described based on this story. Um, you can have never stepped foot into a church in your life, and odds are you have heard this story a number of times. Um, but before we get any further, I'm going to read the story. Um, I don't really think it's necessary to put it up on the screen. Um, so I would encourage you to just listen and follow along. Just then, a religious scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? The man said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you will live. But looking for a loophole, the man asked, and just how would you define neighbor? So Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, they beat him up, and they went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite religious man showed up. He also crossed the road and avoided the injured man. A Samaritan traveling the road came upon him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted it on him onto his donkey. He led him to an inn and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take good care of him. And if it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. Jesus asked the man, what do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religious scholar responded. And Jesus said, go and do the same. There is a lot to be said about this story. Um, and, and a lot has been said about the story. For 2000 years, this story has served as a reminder to Christians to love those who are drastically different from ourselves. It has served as a challenge to embrace and love those of all cultures, of all religions, of all belief systems. But as I was preparing for this talk, I noticed something specific that I'm, I'm not sure that I've really noticed before. Um, I think that's what, in, in part, is so beautiful and wonderful about the parables of Jesus. They are simple and they're incredibly well-known, but there are always new ways to interpret these stories and we can find meaning hidden in details that we've never noticed before. I think when we read the story, we tend to focus on, on the outcomes of each character. Um, 
We focus on the fact that the priest does not help the man, the Levite does not help the man, but the Samaritan has compassion and chooses to help the man who's suffering in the ditch. But this week I noticed something that I don't think I've noticed before. Before doing anything else, each character in the story first makes a decision upon seeing the man suffering up ahead. When the priest and the Levite see the man suffering on the side of the road, they consciously choose to cross to the other side of the road so as to not be interrupted by the reality of this man's suffering. By deciding to cross to the other side of the road before they reach the dying man, they purposely choose to put themselves in a position where they won't be forced to engage with the plight of the poor traveler beaten and robbed. Maybe it's the lasting influence of VeggieTales in my life. Uh, but I suppose in my head, I always pictured something. I, I pictured the priest and the Levite coming up to the man and, I don't know, giving a nod, giving a smile, giving an excuse, singing a VeggieTales song. Um, I don't know, but in, in my head, they always at least saw the man and interacted with him. But in actuality, these two men cross to the other side of the road before they reach the man, ensuring that they won't have to be interrupted by looking into the eyes of suffering. Instead, they set themselves up in a place where they can pass by comfortably on the other side without having to give so much as a glance to the tragedy that's unfolding right in front of them. But where the priest and the Levite see the suffering man up ahead as a problem to be avoided, the Samaritan sees him as a person, as a human being in desperate need of attention and help. Where the religious professionals cross the road so as to not be interrupted, the Samaritan rushes towards the man, gladly welcoming the interruption. I think we could spend a lot of time wondering why the professional religious men of faith uh, passed by on the other side. Maybe they were just busy. They were admittedly um, very important men with incredibly highly regarded positions within their community. Um, there's no doubt that, that they absolutely had very important things to do and very important places to be. Um, no one at that time would disagree with that. Um, and I mean, who knows? Maybe initially upon seeing the man, maybe their hearts were a bit troubled. But if so, as quickly as that thought came, it left and they realized that they couldn't afford to be interrupted by the reality of this man's suffering. So they crossed the road in order to avoid any potential problems that might force them to stop. While this man's suffering was undeniably tragic, it, it, it just didn't work out properly with their schedules and their plans. Earlier this year, um, we as a church went through the book uh, Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, Highly recommend it. It's not too late. If you were not a part of our church at that point, or if you just skipped out and didn't do your homework, that's cool. Borrow my copy. It's short and it's good. Uh, there's a quote from it that I would like to read. Um, and uh, Bonhoeffer says this, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. We may pass them by preoccupied with our more important tests as the priest passed by the man who had fallen among the thieves. 
But when we do that, we pass by the visible sign of the cross raised in our path to show us that not our way, but God's way be done. It is a strange fact that Christians and even ministers frequently consider their work so important and urgent that they will allow nothing to disturb them. Well, I can't speak for those who lived um, 2,000 years ago. I, I do think for us today, one of the main reasons that we don't allow ourselves to be interrupted by God for the sake of those um, in need of our help is because it, it pulls us outside of our comfort zone. Quite often, when God puts people in our path who desperately need help and love, our hearts do genuinely break for them. But quickly, at least, at least in my case, um, more thoughts begin popping into our heads, asking questions like, what do I say to this person? What am I supposed to do? How am I qualified to help? Surely someone else will know better what to do. I wouldn't even know where to begin to help. What if I say or what if I do the wrong thing? And so paralyzed by fear of saying or doing the wrong thing, we sometimes end up doing nothing at all when God places people into our lives who are in need of love. We pass by on the other side of the road, not because we don't care, but because we don't know how to help or because we're afraid to step out of our comfort zone. I think this can be especially true um, when talking about really highly complicated and divisive issues, um, things like poverty and, and privilege and race and equality and injustice. It can be hard uh, and difficult and uncomfortable to prayerfully and humbly consider how God might be interrupting our lives in order to play a small part in helping resolve such massive, complicated societal issues. And while we don't ultimately know why the priest and the Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan refused God's call on their life, I think it's safe to say this. If we are going to partner with God in reducing suffering and increasing joy, we must be ready to be interrupted. As a community and as individuals, we need to embrace the fact that fulfilling God's mission in the communities around us will absolutely require a readiness to have our lives interrupted and a willingness to step outside of our comfort zones. So I think the question for us tonight then is this. When we plan our lives, do we do so with an open invitation for God to step in and change our plans for the sake of others? We are surrounded by a culture that so heavily encourages us to follow and pursue our dreams, no matter the obstacle, to be individuals who will stop at nothing in order to achieve our goals. And that's not all completely bad. We absolutely should have, have goals and dreams and plans for our life. But we should do so with, with the, the constant knowledge and awareness that at any given moment, God might interrupt our lives for the, betterment of other, for the betterment of others, for the betterment of our communities, and for the betterment of ourselves. We ought to plan our lives and be constantly aware that God will, at some point, put people in our path who need our help and the lives of everyone involved will be better if we listen. I think it's worth mentioning at this point um, that, yeah, uh, it, is, it is far easier to say these things than it is to do them. Um, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, who I just quoted a minute earlier from the book we read, 
Um, he, he is a living example of what this looks like. Bonhoeffer was a, a brilliant, brilliant theologian um, born in Germany in 1906. At the age of 21, he had already earned a doctorate in theology. At the age of 24, he was a faculty member of Union Theological Seminary in New York, which if you don't know, is, is very impressive and it's, it's no small feat. Um, Bonhoeffer was, was absolutely someone with, with very ambitious plans and, and goals for his life. But then at the age of 29, while he was working as a pastor in London, God interrupted his life. He received the call to go back to his home, company, home country of Germany and take charge of an illegal underground seminary in 1935 in the midst of Hitler's regime. It was during that time, actually, that he wrote this book that I just quoted from and eventually gave his life. He was arrested by the Nazi party in 1943 and he was executed in 1945. But without a doubt, this world is all the better for Bonhoeffer having answered the call of God's interruption in his life. And maybe if you're like me, um, you have thoughts like this all sounds great, uh, but that doesn't change the fact that I don't know what to do or say when God does put someone in my path who needs my help. Um, and, and if that's you, and, and it, it probably is, I mean, that's most of us, um, I agree completely. Um, I, like most people, very much like to stay within my comfort zone. Um, I'm, I'm not even slightly, not, I'm not one bit qualified to give you any advice in this regard. Um, but I think it's, it's never a bad idea to start where Jesus started and, and where the Samaritan started. Um, if you're unsure of what to do or say when God does interrupt your life with someone who needs your help, um, here's what Jesus and the Samaritan did. Uh, Jesus didn't see people in need as a problem that needed fixing. He saw them as people. I think one of the most important lessons that we can learn from the ministry that we can learn from the ministry of Christ uh, is that he took the time to learn the names and see the faces of lepers and sex workers and tax collectors. He went to those in need of help and and just spoke with them and became their friend. If if we as as a community and if we as individuals are willing to sit and listen to those who God puts in our path, to see the faces and know their names, to be present in their times of struggle, we are on the right path. And I don't have much beyond anecdotal evidence in my life, um, but I trust wholeheartedly that if we do that, I think that the Holy Spirit will begin to speak in our hearts and will begin to guide us towards knowing what to do and what to say. Finally, um, before I finish talking, I, I do need to say one last thing. There's a number of characters in this story. And tonight, um, some of you in this room might not be the priest or the Levite or the Samaritan. In this current season of life, um, some of you might be the person suffering on the side of the road. And if that's you, uh, we want to say this tonight. In this room, your name is known and your face is seen.
Your struggling is real and we grieve with you. We don't pretend as though all of life is easy and that the world is exactly how it should be because it's not. This world can be cruel and in those moments we stand with you and we share your pain. You are surrounded in this room by people who know all too well what the sting of evil can look like. You are surrounded by people who too have had their lives wounded by the reckless forces of violence and cruelty and cancer and loss. You are surrounded by people who intimately know and understand your pain. And so if you tonight can relate to no one in this story, but the man on the side of the road, know this, you may be suffering, but you do not suffer alone. You do not suffer in silence. We exist here in this space to help you in any way that we possibly can. We are here for you and this community is here for you. And you do not go unnoticed. You are very, very deeply loved. Would you all pray with me? God, may we, um, may we be people who are, who are willing and excited to be interrupted. Um, may we make plans and, and dreams and have goals and visions that are, that are good and noble. Um, but may we, may we plan our lives hoping to be interrupted by you for something better. May we have the courage and the bravery to look, um, look into the eyes of suffering and not be afraid. May we have the bravery to step outside of our comfort zones um, and embrace those that you have put into our path. May you give us confidence. May we have words to speak and actions to take. Um, may we sit with those who need us, um, even if it's just sitting in silence. And may those who are suffering know that we are here for them and that we know their pain and that you are there for them and that you know their pain. We love you, God. Amen.